Hello and welcome to Indie Incursion, an indie games podcast, your weekly source for all the indie games news you need to know. This week we're bringing you three awesome indie games news stories, but before we get into that, I'd like to introduce myself, Vong Hyde. I just said my own fucking name wrong. <laughs> I was so close hey man, to look, doing this good. You got all of the important stuff right. You got everything uh, until the name. Most people know your name, and if not, it's fine. They'll figure it out later. Yeah, my name is Vaughn Hyde. Just to be clear, Vaughn Hyde. And alongside me, not really, but over the internet, the magic of the internet, is my illustrious co-host, the biggest of average, Josh Boys. How are you the, doing today, Big Josh Boy? I'm doing well. Isn't the internet great? Crazy, yeah, right? Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Um, I, I mean, every time... So I got a real question for you. Do okay, you think the right. advent of dick pics would exist without the internet? Dick pics? Like how you just send dick pics to people? If we never had the mm. internet, do you think that that would be a thing? Like we'd be slipping Polaroids under people's doors? I honestly, like, uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty damn sure that was a thing back then. I'm sure there's people who have sent, like, mailed letters to people of their dick. Like, I believe it. I can't yeah. I can't imagine there not being someone who is that, like, crazy to do it. And I, I mean, there's always those war movies of the guy who gets like, oh, it's the picture of his dame or whatever. Like, however they say it in the movies, because I don't want to actually be offensive. But they, <laughs> <laughs> just copy the movie, just to be clear. But they like get basically like nudie pics from chicks overseas. See, and, like, and ah, they just cool. want to be like, yo, my dick is still here. Yeah, they like nobody shot it off of a yet. Picture of their dick. They're like, yeah, I mean, I didn't need that. Like. It's like the ugliest part of the male form, so <laughs> they they write back. They're like, "But how them cheeks doing?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to like, send a picture of your ass. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know which one is worse to look at: my asshole or my penis. Jesus, I'm not talking about the whole damn. I'm not talking about your freaking yeah. Spread a chili cheeks. You got to show it off. <laughs> don't be modest. I'm just talking about my ass cheeks. Uh, I guess that's true. That would be a lot cuter. <laughs> yeah. You're like, nah, dude. My wife, 100%. Her camera roll, full of my fucking anus. Just straight up. <laughs> no way. I would. So I'm like, I for one hate that culture of sending like naked pictures or anything. Like when I first, like I've always been really prude about that kind of stuff. Like I don't want any part of me anywhere even though i'm sure there is but like i specifically will not be a <laughs> yeah, part you did talk about how you were nude for quite a large amount of time in your like high school days yeah those are fun days but uh i specifically am in no way shape or form a part of spreading the naked josh um <laughs> because i don't know i just don't like it at all i don't like especially now like the cloud of all of your information constantly being like, like you can find that stuff. Like there's ways to get that information. There's ways to track down those photos. And like, I'm always so nervous about taking pictures because my Google account always automatically uploads my photos. So I'm like, if anything is even a little bit like, you know, showing some, some major skin, Google, Google knows they've seen it. Yeah, you accidentally have that. You think you're going for a front face camera, but you actually do like the full body shot. I do dick pic all of the time. I I will open up my phone while I'm peeing because I I always use my phone when I'm peeing because I'm like that's my time where I'm like oh I got some free time I could check, uh you know whatever and I always will wait. Check- do you sit when you pee? No, 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 no. I'm not you crazy. All, you hold your phone above the <laughs> toilet. 
<laughs> my wife yells at me all the time about this. Yes, I do. <laughs> That's dangerous. My Never. fiance has actually dropped her phone in the toilet after using it multiple times. I honestly think it's hilarious, but I would never like bring that on myself. I have never done it, and I hope I don't jinx myself now, but I have never done it, even, and I do this all the time. But I always go, and I'll be standing. I'll open my phone, and specifically, if you open Instagram, or not Instagram, Snapchat. Snapchat, I'm always like, oh, I wonder if there's any videos. But Snapchat, what it does is it automatically goes to, hey, do you want to take a picture? And it like will sometimes show up while I'm peeing. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And I have to move it before it like shows. And then sometimes if you're looking at your latest apps, like the last apps in like uh, like the Android wheel, it'll retain that last thing that it saw on the screen. So it'll retain that part of like me peeing on Snapchat. And I'm like, oh, God, get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I it mean, is. I've heard that's how Anthony Weiner sent out all of those, uh, all of those different, you know, super lewd pictures and dick pics, hundred percent on accident while, uh, you know, just <laughs> chilling in his daughter's bed. I mean, that's cool. Okay, first I off, I, yeah, I won't comment on that part. But I did hear a funny story that was kind <laughs> of similar so to up. that of not the Anthony Weiner part about mine, uh, my Weiner. <laughs> <laughs> a weird story about your wiener okay <laughs> no uh someone did kind of the same thing as me he would like open up his phone on snapchat and he accidentally took a picture and like fat thumbed sending it to someone and like ruined a relationship because of it just because of the way snapchat is set up so oh my I god guess it could happen but uh you know I, it, it's easy to send pictures that you shouldn't and I try to avoid that at all costs is what I'm trying to say with this weird story. Yeah, I don't do either one. I don't take pics and I don't ask for pics. I asked for pics literally once and it was because that was when my fi- now fiance was like in college and she lived like a couple hours away from me and we hadn't seen each other in a long time. Mm, and you know, that desperation. It's just like, yeah, it's just like the military man. <laughs> except for I'm not like, I would not, I would physically not physically fit. Off. I would not put you on the same pedestal as a <laughs> national hero of going oh, no. out there, but you're just like, oh, my fiance is an hour away. How will I ever get through life? <laughs> I hadn't seen her in like a week. Yeah, no, I asked for him once, and then I like deleted him immediately because it made me feel uncomfortable having him on my phone. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I'm not comfortable with it. It's cool. Like, if you want to do it, I guess it's cool. Don't send, like, unsolicited dick pics. But yeah, that's not cool. If I'm being honest, I don't know how we got <laughs> <on> this. <laughs> this is a, a weird PSA to have at the start of the episode. <laughs> you know what's funny, too? Because the, the whole start of this was, isn't the internet a great place? <laughs> yeah, and then I'm like, ah, and fucking like, dick pics. Yeah, that's that's how it always ends, you know? It always revolves into dick pics, I guess. Yeah, yeah, especially with dudes. They're just, like, sending pictures of dongs all the time. I do not understand that, but, yeah, I guess so. One of the the only reason I really thought about that is when you were, like, right beside me as my co-host. I always – so one of the things I want to do is maybe for, like, our, our 100th episode or something, and obviously I don't think there will be many people who would even watch it at the same time, like, live, but I'd like to do a live episode and find a way where we could do, like <sighs> – it kind of sucks because I don't want to do green screens, but like it would be really cool to have green screens and to like make a little kind of like a news reporter kind of graphic and have it look like we're sitting next to each other on the same table. Like, I don't know. That would I think, be really cool. It would, right? I think that would be so awesome if we could find a way to do that. Um, but 
maybe something in the future. Never know. Maybe I'll get highly educated by the time we get our hundredth episode. I don't we still think got forty so. episodes to go. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure I believe in either one of us, but I hope so. Yeah, I probably wouldn't believe in me. We did talk about last week like thirteen minutes of just me talking about how <laughs> fucking stupid I am. So good times, good times. So should we talk about uh, actual <laughs> game stuff? Yeah, what have we been playing this week? Okay, so. Uh, This is going to be the same thing for you and me, I see on the docket, but uh, I reached out to the developer of a new game that came out in early access, just uh, looks like November 6th was when it came out. So it's been been out for a little bit, uh, but it's still in early access right now. It's called Meteor Fall, Crewmate's Tale. Um, It's by the developers Slothworks, uh, so right, like I mentioned, keep in mind, I did ask for the code for this, I didn't actually purchase it um and they were nice enough to give us two keys so that uh vaughn would be able to play it as well which is nice because i I actually kind of want to see what your take on is on this but essentially this game is you know no surprise coming from me is a deck building game this is a roguelike where you're building up a deck of cards you have certain characters that you can play from that have different abilities and different cards And you're going through a dungeon, but what I think is really interesting about this is it's not like, it's not like a dungeon that you would think of in a typical, like, oh, you're going through and you're trekking through, you know, caves or through whatever, or in like something like Slay the Spire, you're going up that spire and you're going to different rooms where you fight an enemy. This is literally a dungeon where it's a deck, kind of like a box that's a three by three grid. And the three by three grid will contain different cards. Each of those cards are the ones that you have in your deck, as well as enemy cards. And they will randomly show up, so it's randomly generated which cards are going to be played next. But that like continuation of the cards, as you pick one, another one will get placed down. As you uh, fight an enemy, once you defeat them, another card will be played down in its place. And it goes into this weird... like puzzle-based grid system that you have to think about where each card is going to be and what card is coming next and you have to try and anticipate what cards are left in the deck depending on how many enemies you might think are left and how many of the cards that you really need are still in the deck or have already been used and essentially the way it works is each time you defeat an enemy or each time you discard a card from that board you get a gold coin And those gold coins will then be used to buy new cards so you can actually use them. And they could be spells, they could be abilities, they could be armor, they could be actual weapons that you use to fight the enemies. And you have to go in and discard or buy those different items and those different abilities and then go into the battle for those enemies and fight them and basically do it all over again. Each one of those dungeons is essentially a giant three by three grid where the cards keep randomly getting put down. You have different monsters or different um, unique scenarios that you have to face based on what you're up against and the different area you're in. Um, I thought it was really fun. I, I know I talk about card games a lot and I say like, I don't really like card games unless it's got a twist. And like, this is a good example of that twist. Like (laughs) this is, there's so much more to this than just being like cards because it's really not about the cards per se. It's about building tiles that are strategically placed in a way that you have to determine, okay, 
do I need to buy this item or do I need to discard this item? How am I going to fight these different enemies that might have shield or might have uh, poison abilities or might be able to guard against my attacks? If I have enough shield when they attack me, I'll be able to parry, which will cause them to not have a turn. Like there's a lot of intricate elements into it that adds to it not just being like, oh, I have a card and the enemy has a card and we just see who has the best card kind of a thing. Like there's a lot that goes into this. There's a lot of uh, mechanics that I really enjoyed. And one of my favorite things about it too is you have so much replayability in this because you're constantly doing, like each time I played this, I played with either a different character because right now there's two in the early access mode. But each one of those has a different ability and has different cards. But also, every time you beat a dungeon, you get to pick an ability, so some kind of perk, whether that be like, oh, I want to have more health, or I want to start uh, every enemy I fight to have poison, or I want enemies that are poisoned or on fire or frozen to take more damage for my base damage attack or like a bunch of different things and you also get to buy cards and you get a card each time in the dungeon so there's so much that could possibly happen like I had a lot of fun because my first time playing this I literally just went this weird poison build where I never used weapons I just had all of my damage in my base damage from just smacking them and just built up a lot of armor so that I never got hurt and did a ton of damage to them because I had a, a bonus damage from having full health. They were always poisoned, so they took tick damage. I did uh, two extra damage to bosses. I took uh, anytime they were poisoned, I would do extra damage to them. So like I just had this this kit where I was like, oh, this is perfect. I'm just like a walking tank. But then the next time you go in and it's totally different and now I'm like, oh, I, I don't have any of those abilities. I have to build my, my deck differently. So it, it adds a lot of variability to it. I don't know. I, I thought it was really good, especially for early access. And like one of the things I didn't even mention, I know I'm like rambling, but I actually really did enjoy this game. But one of the things that I didn't mention is it's really cool just from a visual aspect of it because it looks... You remember we were talking about like, oh, I want a good adventure time game this looks that's actually what i was gonna say yeah i wrote down that the art side is very the art style is very similar to adventure Time. this looks exactly like adventure time-esque uh animation and i love it it's i mean it's not just i mean sorry to cut you off but it's not just the like it's not just the art style it being like resembling adventure time it actually exists within the character of the game as well because there's weird fucking shit like the the creatures themselves have kind of an interesting like uh like character design Mm -hmm. that reminds me of adventure time but also like have you ever noticed that you when you go to choose your character or when you're fighting with Bruno, the I, I've only played with Bruno the knight, the like first guy you get to play with. But gotcha. there's also I think Greybeard, Greybeard the second yeah. guy that you get. You should um, play Greybeard. He's actually he changes up the game entirely. He's really fun. Yeah, I want to play a lot more. I got caught up with the Outer Wilds, so I didn't get to play as much as I wanted. But I made sure I played some. And I actually think it's really fun, but like Bruno, if you just hover on him, you like click on him and you just hover for a while. He just sits there and makes this really fucking annoying noise. He's like, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even realize that. That's hilarious. Yeah, there's so much, there are like so many quirks to this game that are really, really interesting uh, from like sound design. 
And it's, I actually really, really like it. I think it's super interesting. I like the art style a lot, and I like how weird and quirky it is. It's exactly like Adventure Time. I also like how, like, you brought up a lot of the gameplay stuff. I like how it's not just about, like, I would say it's not just about resource management when you go into battle. You're not just worried about having, like, uh, a weapon or having armor, but you also have to worry about both, like, the positions of the tiles on the board because mm -hmm. then you can get abilities that allow you to do, like, five damage to everyone in the first row, and that's really awesome. I think it's there's a lot of uh, strategy that actually goes into this game that I didn't anticipate. Initially, I thought it was going to be like a standard card game where it was basically all up to the luck of the draw, which in a sense it is. But right. there's also a strategy to managing the way the board is actually going. Because if you take a card from, let's say, like the, the top right section and you actually don't want like an enemy to be there or you don't want a piece of equipment there, you want three enemies to so you could do five damage to each of them. You kind of just fucked yourself if a piece of equipment falls. So you have to manage both the board and what uh, like a pieces of equipment you have when you go into battle. And I think that's really, really cool. Um, I'm not yeah. super into strategy games, but... <laughs> How far I, have you I, gotten into it? Um, I think I got through the first like section of dungeons. I okay. I have like beaten the first boss, that weird fucking bear. So yeah, so what's interesting about this is I played it a couple of times, and at first it was giving me the same characters like through, but then after I kept playing it, even though like I I would get through and I beat um the farthest I got was I actually got to the last place, which was the Necropolis. Um, and I, I technically beat the Uber Lich, which is like the last boss, but I killed him in a way where he died to a poison tick, but also killed me in the same attack. So it was like, it played this like music as if I had won and then gave me the game over screen. And I was like, damn it. So close. But <laughs> that's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, the, the interesting about it is if you keep playing, it randomly will just be like, oh, you're just going to take a different path and you're going to fight different enemies instead for like the first uh, couple of things. So the, that first boss isn't always the bear. That's really cool, actually, because I was kind of like, I was honestly getting a little sick of fighting the bears all the time because <laughs> they have like really high defense, but they, they also do a lot of damage to you. So you have to basically try to wipe them out before they hit you or defend against them, mm -hmm. similar to like your poison build. Yeah, it's it's annoying, but it's a lot of fun. There's only really one issue I actually have with it, and it's kind of like a weird nitpicky issue, which is pretty normal for me, if anything, <laughs> um, is that their roadmap for early access only shows what they have previously done, not mm. what they're going to do. And I don't understand how that's necessarily like a like a roadmap because typically a roadmap shows what you're, what you're like going to, to do in the to. future. Yeah. yeah, what exactly players should anticipate is going to happen within your game. And instead, it's just like, these are the things that we've done to lead up to early access. And I'm like, I mean, that's cool seeing your history, but I actually want to see what you're going to do in the future. Right. Similar to like how freaking, uh, what am I thinking of? Risk of Rain 2 gave a roadmap and it was like, these are the four or five DLCs we're going to do or updates we're going to do. They include characters, new items, environments, whatever. They like told you beforehand exactly what they were going to do. So you knew what to expect. And I think that's really cool. Um, but overall, I think this game is really, really awesome. And coming from somebody like I don't really play early access games mm -hmm. um, for the most part, I'm 
trying to get more in like I feel like because of this podcast, I really need to get deeper into the indie scene. So I'm devoting like time of my weekends to make sure I play indie games every weekend. And I also want to get into like more PC gaming and actually play early access games. Oh, and I think we it's got really em, cool. boys. <laughs> yeah. For, yeah, pretty much. Uh, I think it's actually really cool that you can hit up the developers and give feedback. Like it's it's not final. When you get the game, it's not final. You can actually tell them, hey, like there's this bug or this is how you might want to fix something. And it's actually through Discord, which I find really accessible because most people use Discord nowadays. Like everything we do for Parallax for the most part is run through Discord and Google Docs. So like everybody has one and it's really easy to get on there. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, and I love I, I love the fact that we're doing this and and first off the fact that, you know, developers are willing to give out the codes to to help us let them promote this. Um it's one of the things where this is really not about the game, but this is just a tangent on us is um it's one of those things where I'm like I always have a good time uh, you know, going on those wild tangents about like dick pics, but then I always we start talking about the games and the fact that they let us, you know, take the code, and I'm always like, "Damn, it's gonna be real weird if they first start with that section." If I'm like, yeah. "Hey, here's here's our review or our like our take on your game," and they're like, "Hmm, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about?" So like not a fan. Yeah. Uh so like when you do stuff on terminals, which is like a PR website, right. um, for those who don't know, you can actually you post the stuff that you do. So you're like, oh cool, these are the bits of coverage that I do. Mm-hmm. And we have like I've done stuff on the podcast and linked it to a podcast episode, and I'm like, man, that's really gonna suck for you because you're gonna have to listen to me talk about buttholes for a while. So, <laughs> yeah, that's why I've I've gotten to the point where anytime I I reach back out and I'm like, hey, thanks, it like listen at this time, <laughs> like this, this is the timestamp when we ramble about your game. Don't worry about the rest. You're like, feel free to listen to the intro that lasts 13 minutes about anus, but how about instead you just Skip right to eight minutes where we talk about your game. <laughs> yeah, that sounds uh, pretty on point. <laughs> yeah, overall, I actually thought this was really, really fun. Like I said, I'm not, I've never been super into like heavy strategy games, but this one is, I like its its art style and I like how quirky it is and how weird it is so mm-hmm. much that I'm actually looking forward to playing more of it because it's so weird. Um, and I actually like a lot of the mechanics, like how parrying is actually quite easy. All you have to do is match their damage modifier with your armor modifier. Mm-hmm. I think that's really mm-hmm. cool. I think it's really cool that uh, you always have to worry about the uses that your equipment. So it's not necessarily a durability system, but you can only use it like three times. I think that's really cool. I mean, that's I'm assuming dependent on the piece of equipment. I yeah. all the ones that I have had are three, but I don't know if other ones are. No, it's, I guess the potions are two. Yeah, it's different because there's also potions that could be upgraded and are three. Uh, but like th- that's the thing. This game starts to get really good when you start getting past like the uh, the initial like the first boss because a lot of those different things you're talking about like the durability you'll find a lot of items that are things like oh you have a flask of uh, rehydration i think it's called and it's like it gives you plus one hp and it has three ticks of durability so you can use it three times but then it has this passive ability where you can 
uh, discard a tile, anytime you do that, it gains a durability back. Or there's another ability card that lets you, uh, it's called Guard Up, and it's like an exhaust ability, where when you use it, all of your armor sets will go to full durability no matter where they're at. As long as you know they're still in, in your inventory and have at least one durability tick left, and it will also add two armor value to each of them. So I use that constantly in my tank build. So there's like a lot of cards that will stack on to the base mechanics of this game, which I thought were really, uh, really well utilized. Yeah, yeah. I also should say before we move on to what I've been playing next, but uh, I think it's actually really cool how you have to manage both gold and your health during like each encounter. So you have a limited amount of health, obviously. So you can be like, uh, you can upgrade it with certain abilities, but I believe initially it's like eight or 10, something like that. For the initial, your card value, I believe your initial card value is 10. Okay, yeah. So you can uh so while taking damage you obviously can give and take damage whatever. Once you beat an enemy though, you can actually you don't just have to use potions to regain your health. You can also uh actually basically just like delete pieces of equipment that exist within the dungeon yep. that you could purchase. So you'll normally get like a uh, some gold or some health, but there are actually abilities that you can take that will possibly give you more gold, but you no longer get the health. Or during boss battles, or at least I believe during at least the first one, he might have just a unique ability. I'm not sure because I haven't played further than that. But uh, you don't gain health from like deleting pieces of equipment or anything yeah, like so that. That's, that's specific to that boss, and it's it's really cool because each boss has their own unique scenario. So like one of them had this thing where uh, a character that you've seen before basically. Anytime they showed up, that character, like the boss character, made them have poison attacks, like added on to theirs. And then there was another one where it was like this tree uh, person who uh, had a bunch of underlings that were like other little tree characters. And what would happen is that tree boss would show up, and once they're on the field, any of their little tree characters, their enemies, if you killed them, you would remove five shield from the enemy. Uh, there was another one where it was a skeleton boss and it was anytime he's on the field and you kill people, it was like the reverse order. It would be, he would gain armor from you killing people. So different strategies, depending on the boss that you're fighting and what the board looks like at any given time. That's really cool. Yeah. Like I said, I'm really excited to go back to it. Um, but I really wish there was a roadmap that told you if they're going to expand even more. I'm assuming that this developer will because that's kind of the whole point of early access. Yeah. But. And if it's anything like uh, their original game, so this is like the second in their series of what's known as Meteor Fall. Um, the, the original Meteor Fall was, I believe, an Android and iOS game. Um, and that had four characters in it. And two of them, uh, the Greybeard and the, uh, I forget the warrior's name, Um, It's Bruno in this one. uh, Bruno. So those two characters, they were in the original Meteor Fall. So I assume they're going to put the other two characters later, you know, as early access extends. That's really cool. That's awesome. I, I... I like early access a lot. There's actually only one problem that I have with early access that I, well, I guess there's two. One, that sometimes <laughs> games aren't necessarily finished, meaning that they like their stories aren't done. So like I've been really wanting to play the long gone days for a long time and it's in early access on Steam, mm-hmm. but it seems like the story itself isn't actually finished yet. Right. So 
I'm kind of just waiting for that to happen, and then once it's finished, even if it's still in early access, I'm going to hop on there and play, and I might be getting that wrong. Maybe it's finished. If it is, somebody hit me up because I want to play this fucking game. It looks <laughs> awesome. But uh, the other issue that I have is actually an issue that I've had. I don't know if this is a typical thing that games do in early access, but it really bothers me when I see it is charging for DLC while a game is in early access. Mm-hmm. That bothers the shit out of me. Yeah. Because your game's not out yet, so why are you charging me for downloadable content? You're expanding on a game that's not even out yet, so really you're just making your game still. And I bought that game, or at least bought the like the license to play that game. So... Yeah, early access DLC really bothers me, but that's just... I, I imagine that's just kind of me being a bitch. Like, it's probably pretty normal. I don't know. Nah, I, I mean, I think it's generally frowned upon, but whatever. Anyway, there you that's, go. that's Fuck not you, in this Ark game. Fuck you, Survival so. Evolved. Uh, well, yeah, but, I mean, it's not in this game, so just saying. Yeah, no, that that was totally just an off-tangent of why exactly I don't like early access games. Uh, the other game I played, not in early access, it actually just released on PlayStation 4. That is The Outer Wilds. Or mm. actually, it's just Outer Wilds. It's not The Outer Wilds. Um, I am playing this for our kind of like deliberation, our talks that we're going to do at the end of this month on our indie game of the year, which I'm super stoked about. That's also why I played like Ape Out, Grease, uh basically like a shitload of other games um yeah i'm making sure that i play all these games so we could talk about it the only thing that really sucks is that i have not been on the ball when it comes to playing (laughs) a lot of indie games that released in 2019 Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i'm definitely gonna have like a separate list of like these are the games that look really cool that i wish i would have (laughs) played i mean i guess that's good though at least get the awareness out you know yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, sadly, we decided to do this like a month, maybe a month and a half in advance. And it's like, oh, I could get a bunch in there, but I don't think I can get all of the games that I want to <laughs> play currently. So that sucks. But yeah, I'm playing The Outer Wilds. Uh, there's a lot of like interesting stuff about it. So one, I really, really like the music. I honestly do not like the banjo as an instrument i'm gonna be honest there um mostly because it's in twangy ass shit like country music not a fan of country but the the outer wilds has this kind of like interesting new age country sound and i actually really really like that um weird genre yeah it's it's a little odd that's just the way i've heard it people describe it i don't know if that's literally what it is Mm -hmm. um but it's a lot of like banjos harmonicas and stuff like that but it's not like the i don't know like weird typical country sound where it's like you know what i mean like it's not i think that was a bad representation of it but yeah i think (laughs) i think i know what you're trying to go for (laughs) yeah it's not your like typical country it's much more like uh i wouldn't say upbeat it's just like mellow it's Mm -hmm. a very mellow game i like i've played uh probably just a couple hours i haven't played like a massive amount of it um but it's a lot of fun i also really really like its art style there are like the the art style is so interesting because this is about like this spacefaring species they go to other planets which is weird because these planets are all fucking tiny but uh (laughs) it's so odd but um 
there's this spacefaring species, but they don't look like when we think space, we think like futuristic tech. We think like our spaceships that are basically like immaculate. They're like the fucking empire from Star Wars. They're just slick pieces of plastic, but instead their spaceships are actually all made of like little bits of plastic, but also made out of wood. Like they, they all look like randomly pieced together in weird ways and it's it's really really interesting i really like that aesthetic and it kind of lends to the whole like a new frontier with the like the music the mellow kind of like new age country and then it's kind of like these weird in a way like old timey ways of thinking of like interstellar travel like space travel Mm -hmm. it's really really cool um there are a couple issues that i have with it so far i've only reset once uh because Actually, no, I've reset multiple times, but I've only reset once because I drove into the sun on accident. <laughs> I hear that's a big problem with people who play this game. Yeah, I went right into it. Like, I was trying to go toward a planet. I didn't match my velocity, and I went right past the planet and right into the sun. It's remarkably easy to do. <laughs> and I, like, tried to pull my—I almost did it twice, and then, yeah, I succeeded the third time. Um, But there's a lot about it that's really interesting— the few things I don't like is flying is quite hard, but from what I understand, once you get the hang of it, which I feel like I have, once I like I eventually got the hang of some of it and I matched my velocity and I found how out how to fly the ship and also land and I've checked out like a couple of different places, but uh the the one thing that I really really dislike is actually the zero g stuff mm. and it's really jarring like it it makes me kind of like motion sick which is really weird because it bends and twists in weird ways that i didn't expect Mm -hmm. um and i don't know why exactly it makes me feel this way but it's similar to how like how i've talked about playing fez made me a little bit motion sick Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah So I I don't know what's up with it. Um, I'm excited to play more, but I'm not excited at all to play in zero G. And I think it might just be the like zero G cave that exists to teach you how to work in zero G in the first area. Um, maybe that was just it. Maybe once I experience like a lot more zero G, it'll be different. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's really interesting. I like a lot of it. Uh, there's actually one criticism that I have of it that actually matches Pokemon, and I it's that. It doesn't have, like, voice-acted dialogue, which I wouldn't have an issue with if it had any sort of sound, Mm -hmm. like, overlaid, but it doesn't. It's just, like, the text slowly popping up kind of a thing, and I don't know why. Like, once people pointed that out with Pokemon, it actually started to irritate me, (laughs) and now I noticed it. And I'm like, damn it, that is so weird. But, yeah, I like it so far. I think it's really interesting. My favorite part about it has to be the, like, design of everything, how it's not, like, sleek and new. It's actually made, like, it's it's kind of just, like, thrown together. Like, they, they didn't initially think that they were going to go to space or something. Huh. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. This is definitely one of those games where I I really want to play this. I've heard that people it could be kind of polarizing because i've heard some people who are like in love with it i've heard some people who are like yeah this definitely just isn't for me i don't know really where i'll fall into that category because i've tried to steer away from really much about it since you know it's more about like kind of discovering things on your own um but 
we'll have to see based on how you described it though i i still kind of have the same feeling that like this still could possibly be something i i'm not really too into what is the like what's the like main game loop or like mechanic that's really like driving this game i guess Honestly, um, I don't think I've actually gotten to the point where I understand what I'm doing in this game, which is kind of weird. Like, uh, <laughs> I've I've heard that it's about I I don't know. Like you, I I don't know if it's about you escaping this time loop or if it's about like saving civilization from the end of like the universe. It's basically like you kind of like it it's like the edge of tomorrow you like live die and then you repeat it you just wake up exactly where you did initially right and it's it's really odd it's kind of like trying to explore everything and piece together the story yourself mm-hmm. because like these like an- this ancient like uh alien race has left behind a lot um and you're kind of trying to like piece everything together and work out this weird kind of roadmap it's odd. Um, I've heard people say it's pretentious, but I don't exactly know how. It actually kind of takes like an interesting, more upbeat and fun. Um, like it, it takes all of that and tries to teach you like seemingly theoretical physics mm. or like quantum mechanics, and it's really interesting. It brings like a lot of different. Uh, it, it brings up a lot of different like theories. Um, so there's one like. In the museum on, I believe it's like Hearthwood uh, is the first planet. There's a rock that seems to exist in one place until you look away. And then it no longer exists in that place and it does in another. And it transfers between these several pedestals. And it's really odd. It kind of reminds me of the Weeping Angels in Doctor Who, if you've watched Doctor Who at all. No, no, I haven't. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of like something existing while you look at it, but once you look away, it no longer exists. But that's the, actually the exact opposite of, hmm. like, the Weeping Angels as far as I know. But it's okay. it's really interesting. Um, I like it a lot. I'm super, super excited to play more. I'm not super excited at all to play more in Zero-G, but <laughs> I, I would recommend it to most people if you're, like, interested in... I don't know, kind of like a mellow experience, but be prepared for certain things like uh, the characters, when they talk to you, their mouths don't move. Um, (laughs) That's kind of weird. Flying in zero G is kind of annoying as hell, but overall, I'm really excited. This is kind of like one of those games that has a real sense of discovery Mm -hmm. because I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing in this game, but Mm -hmm. I'm excited to like find out. Maybe one day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm super I'm super stoked to find out what this game is about, but <laughs> we've actually got some time to, to figure out some other stuff. Let's let's hop into the news. Uh, our first news story is over on IGN. It is written by that there, Jonathan Dornbush. Uh, it mm. is 16 games highlighted in December 10th's Nintendo Indie Game Showcase. Uh, so, I don't know if I want to like necessarily read through all this. I kind of just want to uh, bring up the games themselves, and then we can talk about their trailers. Uh, so... We've got Golf Story 2, which is actually called Sports Story, Did- Axiom Verge 2, uh, Streets of Rage 4, Gleamlight, Bacon Switch, uh, Super Mash, the Talos Principle Deluxe Edition, uh, because the Talos Principle has actually been out for a while, mm-hmm. uh, Sail Forth, Dauntless actually made its way over to the Nintendo Switch, uh, Murder by Numbers, 
Oddworld Stranger's Wrath HD, which I actually didn't know that Oddworld was in like a necessarily an indie game, but I think it all depends on your definition. Just like Psychonauts is technically an indie game, the way it, if you look at it a certain way, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Um, they had Skatebird, Skatebird. Uh, <laughs> Liberated, Boyfriend Dungeon, Dreamscaper, The Survivalists, and that's it. That's it. Uh, so. <laughs> Did you, I, I, for the most part, just like looked at the trailers that were in this article. Mm. I didn't get to actually watch the uh, indie game showcase. Yeah, I actually watched the showcase. It was pretty good. There you go. You'll have more insight in this than me. So did you, are you looking forward to any of these games specifically? Uh, so, um, I, I've never played golf story, but I've heard good things about it. And I'll be honest, when I saw this trailer, the way they did it is actually really good. And people were losing their mind in chat when it first happened. Um, Sports Story looks pretty interesting. I wouldn't mind not only giving this a try, but I really do want to try Golf Story to just see how it is because I've heard a lot of great things about it. Axiom Verge is another one where it's like, I don't know why, I just, I've, it's always been on my, like, my backlog to play this game, but I just never have. But... I have heard a lot of amazing things from Axiom Verge, and I'm actually happy that a 2 is coming out since this is going to be probably something where I'll just pick it up in some kind of bonus pack deal or something. Yeah, that would be really cool if you got both Axiom Verge and Axiom Verge 2. Right. Um, Super Mash looks so cool. It's, um, It's kind of something that I've talked about to some degree in previous episodes of like some of the best games are things that will take one genre and put it into another that doesn't usually make sense um like uh you know the the general consensus on like card games and then turning it into this weird roguelike adventure that was such a like a mind-blowing thing when slay the spire did it and it was just like oh man this is so cool and obviously i know there have been ones that have done it before slay the spire but slay the spire just did it best in my opinion so far but like those kind of games where they blend genres together is so interesting and super mash although i think it's going to be very like half of the games are going to be terrible and the other half will be great um i still think it's a super cool idea um so basically just to clarify super mash is essentially this game where it's uh like a genre generator where it gives you two genres and you just get to pick them and mash them together so you'll be like uh platformer and rpg and then it will basically do this little thing where it looks like it's doing some kind of algorithm but it spits out a game that's already been programmed based on that mashup and you get to play whatever it is and it has that you know that genre style to it so it's a a big game that's mashed up of tiny little genre based games i don't know how much is going to be in those games and i think there is the caveat that you need to think about where like if you do so many things at once you really can't perfect a lot of it and it, it it's probably just going to be a lot of okayness but i think the idea and the concept behind it is super cool and i think you'll end up getting like some hidden gems in here that are like oh this genre actually works really well that we didn't think about and maybe other games will spawn from that uh um other than that uh well uh, actually skatebird we've talked about this i've Skatebird, I'm so hyped for, and honestly, not even really for the game. I I just want that soundtrack, the like, the uh, lo-fi bird tunes. I'm so ready for that on YouTube. Um, 
And then uh, Boyfriend Dungeon was actually kind of interesting. I don't care about the whole dating sim part of it, but it was like, I thought it was funny uh, just in general uh, that it, it looked kind of like the actual aspect of going into the dungeon crawling part looked like it had potential to it. Um, I don't think I'll pick that up because I have no interest in a boyfriend simulator dating game. Um, oh. What's your favorite kind of mashup? It's both a dungeon crawler and a relationship, Sam. Yeah, that's, I mean, you got to mash those genres together. Uh, if it had cards, though, would you play it? No, nah, no cards, so <laughs> it's out. Uh, Dreamscaper is actually one of the Kickstarter games we talked about. Really? Yeah, that was the one where uh, you would end up going to sleep and then you get into procedurally generated worlds that you have to fight. And then when you wake up, you basically talk to people in the real world and you kind of have to struggle with your own uh, life issues. And like your, I think it was anxiety and like depression. You have to deal with those. And based on the conversations you have with people and the interactions you have in the real world that will affect your dreams and how you uh basically i guess what enemies you're fighting and things like that we've talked about it it was quite a few episodes ago but i saw it and i was like oh man like it's actually coming uh which what i thought was interesting about that though is that it's coming to switch first in early 2020 they said as a timed exclusive and i really want to know if that was how they portrayed it in the kickstarter um but regardless, yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. Um, but regardless, I just thought it was cool that hey, at least you know they're they're going somewhere and they were actually able to get into this. Uh, and the last one I'll talk to is Liberated. Uh, Liberated. Uh, I'll just read the the part that's said here. Aims to t- look like a cyberpunk visual novel with interactive elements, and it features side scrolling and stealth gunplay. It looks so cool. It does. It's very like you're playing a live action comic book and i think it's really cool the way visually it looks um i don't know how gameplay is going to work because of you know the limited functionality of being stuck inside that comic book i don't know if it's going to be like when you get to one panel there's going to be a section where you can like fully platform and run around or if you're going to be stuck to that Uh, depending on how they do that it could be you know difference between something that's good and something that's amazing but i thought it looked really phenomenal in just the the design and the the uh aesthetically or aesthetics to it um i don't know why my brain like broke at the end there but um but other than that there were some you know honorable mention games i think a lot of them are still going to be a game for somebody but those are the ones that i specifically looked at and was like oh these are something that i would probably play yeah, so since you brought up the whole Dreamscaper thing, I pulled up their Kickstarter, and the Switch port actually was a stretch goal like typical Kickstarters. And Isn't that in interesting their, that they're now yeah, like... and in their platform section, it actually says, uh, as we're a small team, we're focusing our efforts on PC first. Uh, we also are targeting additional platforms down the road. Nintendo Switch is planned, and hopefully PS4 and Xbox One at a later date. <clears throat> but it seems like it's uh, actually Switch is planned, and everything else is at a later date. I know, that's super weird, because that doesn't happen often, but I'm assuming they got some kind of deal with Nintendo. Yeah, I, I, man, I should have checked at their updates to see if we could, uh, like, if they had updated. If their only we had given all. a dollar. Yeah, but sadly, I have not. Uh, for me, I think Golf Story Two or Sports Story looks really, really interesting. I uh, as well did not play Golf Story, but I think the whole like an RPG golf game is really, really cool and really weird. Mm-hmm. It's 
art looks fantastic um and i think the soundtrack is really interesting too and i'm excited to play like a bunch of different weird ass like sports so (laughs) at one point in time there was like freaking like baseball with a toaster and i was like what yeah. What are you playing right now? It seems like it's a mashup of a whole bunch of different sports because, like, he's playing volleyball at one point in time and he kicks the ball. And I was like, I don't think that's a rule. Like, <laughs> I don't think you could do that in volleyball. I loved it. Dude, Twitch chat, first off, Twitch chat, toxic as fuck, and I hate them all. But sometimes. Yeah, it's pretty bad. When Even in like, good communities, it could be pretty bad. Yeah, but sometimes when, like, generally this kind of happens and it's like people i mean some people shit on it but for the most people people were just going crazy because they were like the same kind of mentality of just like what is going on right now because it was like oh golf story too this is great and we were like oh no it's volleyball oh no it's baseball oh no it's toaster ball like (laughs) people just like what is happening right now yeah, the way the trailer was actually done was really, really interesting because it shows you like, oh, it's just normal golf. It's got all these different environments. It looks like typical what you'd expect from a sequel to Golf Story. And then it just randomly, like he hits a ball into a tennis court. And then it's like, nope, you're playing tennis, you're playing soccer, you're playing baseball, but also you're playing weird variants where you're playing tennis, but also there's a goal like in soccer. Yeah, <laughs> like, what the fuck? Very strange. Yeah. <laughs> It looks really, really cool. Axiom Verge 2, I'm also really excited about. I've played a bit of the original Axiom Verge, and I think it's really interesting, and I really like the making of documentary I got with my signature edition that I bought. Um, I'm super stoked to see how Axiom Verge 2 look, or I mean, it looks really great. I'm excited to see how it comes out, because it's actually like... I don't know if Axiom Verge 2 is solely developed by a single person, but from what I understand, Tom Happ, the original mm-hmm, creator mm-hmm. of Axiom Verge, did do that entirely solo. I don't know, like, ever since Greg Lobanov brought up the whole why do people call themselves solo devs when they actually work with, like, sound designers and stuff, I'm always like, hmm, are you actually a solo dev or right. do you work technically with other people? But I believe Tom Happ develops these games entirely by himself, or at least the original. I don't know about this one. Mm-hmm. But I, I would yeah. assume no after, you know, getting somewhere. But I don't know. Maybe that was his thing. But I mean, yeah, still, I regardless, he, that's an incredible feat. Yeah, it's crazy, especially because it's a really, really good Metroidvania. Um, But this one looks really cool. I actually didn't like the design of the main character in the first one, but this one looks really, really dope. He kind of looks like Geralt in a weird way. Like, I, I don't know why. Uh, Streets of Rage 4, I'm not a beat-em-up fan, mm-hmm. but this one looks interesting. Um, It's got this, like, at least the trailer has a cool anime aesthetic to it. Um, yeah. Gleamlight, Bacon Switch, uh, Super Mash actually looks... So I should actually say, in this article, they don't say it. Um, so if you guys check out this IGN article, they don't actually tell you that you can purchase this on the Epic Game Store right now. And play it. It's actually coming to the Switch, and I don't know other consoles, but to the Switch on May twenty, May twenty twenty. But yeah, you could play it right now on the Epic Games Store. Yeah, if you want to give them money. Yeah, twenty five bucks. Yeah. Wow. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Twenty five bucks. I'd love to. The only thing is, I'd love to see how many genres are in that because yeah, yeah, that that would be nice. And how long is each one of those games? Yeah. I, I would probably wait for reviews on that one because it seems like he can both generate some really cool experiences and just absolutely horrible. Yeah, that's kind of what I would assume this would be. But I love the concept of it. I think it's really cool. Um, I think 
I would still probably want it, but I feel like 25 bucks is a little steep to jump into that. Yeah, especially because it's not like it's not even like a known quantity by genre. It's just completely out of everything. Like it's it's not it's an original IP and it's also like an original genre that you create in the moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's really weird. Uh, Talos Principle. I've heard it's an amazing puzzle game, and I've heard it's got a lot of like really interesting like philosophical like discussions within it. But I've never actually played it. Um, Sailforth. I I don't know. I'm I'm checked out anything. I think it's actually really cool that Dauntless is finally moving over to the Nintendo Switch. I was going to uh, predict that we would see a trailer for Dauntless on Nintendo Switch, and we would get a release date. Uh, at the Game Awards like we did last year for consoles. Um, but apparently, it's just it's there now, so that's really dope. Murder by Numbers, I'm not a big visual novel guy, um, so I probably won't play this one, especially because it seems like the main gameplay mechanic, other than just gathering evidence, is actually like this weird-ass game of Minesweeper. Yeah, yeah. I was like, man, this seems awful, because I remember being terrible at Minesweeper. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like I, 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 once again, I'm an idiot. I didn't necessarily understand it. It's like four. There might be one like within four spaces. So I just click random, and I'm like, that's five spaces. I'm fucking dead. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> didn't expect that. Um, Skatebird, as always, looks great. I'm glad we got a release window for it. I haven't checked out a lot of these other ones. Uh, the Survivalist is pretty cool for people who like the Escapists. Mm-hmm. I think that's dope. Um, I should actually include... Uh, so the big news with these is Sports Story uh, has... Sports Story will launch as a Switch exclusive in mid-2020. Axiom Verge 2 uh, is looking at a release in fall 2020. Streets of Rage 4 is coming out in the first half of 2020. Gleamlight uh, is set for an early 2020 release on Switch. Um, Bacon Switch is hitting the Nintendo uh, uh, Switch. I hate that they did that. Um, Switch I, in summer 2020. I can't stop hearing bacon rather than bake n. Yeah, it's weird. I think it might be the way I'm saying it, but yeah. Uh, Super Mash currently on the Epic Game Store if you want to pay $25. Or you could wait for it to come to the Switch and still probably pay $25 uh, in May of 2020. The Talos Principle um, is on Nintendo Switch on December 10th, so it'll be out by the time we have actually posted this. Sale 4th will release in 2020. Dauntless is currently out, which will actually reiterate that news cram. Um, Murder by Numbers... Ugh will uh, be coming to Switch first as a timed exclusive in early 2020. Oddworld Stranger's Wrath is coming to Switch in January 2020. I don't know why I'm like freaking out right now. Yeah. That's okay. I'm like hiccuping, I'm burping, I'm just dead, dude. I just need to give up on breathing at this point. Uh, Skatebird is coming to Switch in late 2020. Liberated uh, is getting a timed exclusive in 2020. Not really... Oh, yeah, first timed exclusive in, in 2020. So it doesn't look like we have a release window for that one. Mm-hmm. A Boyfriend Dungeon also coming to Switch in 2020. Gr- Dreamscaper, um, early 2020. And the Survivalists is... Uh, yeah, launches in 2020. So it looks like all of these coming in 2020 with the exception of the few that are December 10th as mm-hmm. well as uh, technically also December 10th because Dauntless launched the day that this went up, which was December 10th. So 
it's it's pretty cool i'm actually really excited for a lot of these super stoked for sports story because it looks great axiom verge 2 looks great super stoked the dauntless is finally on nintendo switch i don't know how great they're like their online system is actually going to handle Dauntless since it's entirely online. But mm, that's a good point. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it is entirely cross play. So that is cool. Like you could play on Nintendo switch with your friends on PC and other consoles. As far as I know, I think the switch is included in that because they did their whole one Dauntless initiative and we right. actually played, I mean, you didn't because you hate me, but we at Parallax, several of us played Dauntless I when played it first came Parallax out. Group. You just, you logged off too early. Ah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see the the reviews of this Nintendo Switch version of Dauntless. I mean, it's a free to play game, so right. anybody can hop in there and try it out. Maybe I will, but I also don't have Nintendo's online service. So, oh, you're a fool. Twitch, Am I? yeah, because Twitch did a thing where they gave a full year for free. That's pretty dope, actually. Yeah, <laughs> if you, I mean, I guess you had to have. If you don't have Amazon Prime, then you can't get it. But if you have Amazon Prime, you get Twitch Prime. And one of the rewards for having Twitch Prime, like, uh, like seven months ago or something, was like, uh, "Hey, get a full year of Nintendo Switch for free." Man, I really should have done that because I do have Amazon Prime. You're a fool. Yep, yep, I'm a fool who doesn't, who doesn't seize opportunities when he sees them. Uh, but let's hop over to our next news story. This is also over on IG and is written by Matt Kim. Once again, dying. Um, yeah, I was like, what happened? <laughs> what did he do? <laughs> uh, and it is Wargroove developers apologize for whitewashing controversy. Wargroove developer Chucklefish has issued an apology after receiving criticism for whitewashing its cast of characters from the strategy military sim. Uh, the developer says that it will aim to do better in the future. In November, Wargroove revealed the voice act uh, the voice cast for its upcoming DLC pack, Double Trouble. There will be four new commanding officers in the DLC, three of whom are people of color. Whoever, ha, ha, not whoever, however, <laughs> the three characters in question are all voiced by white voice actors. Although the announcement was made nearly a month ago, the issue only really came to a head in the last 24 hours, uh, obviously of the time this was written. Uh, now, Chucklefish issued a statement on Twitter to explain how the situation around the casting of the uh, the casting came about, and a promise to do better in the future. Um, yeah, I can't actually see the like tweet itself, but it doesn't matter because it kind of summarizes it. Yeah, uh, the same thing. yeah, we want, and this is Chucklefish. Uh, we want to be honest about what happened during our casting process. We knew that we didn't want our own unconscious biases to impact who we hired to work on Wargroove, which I think is a little weird. But I guess that can go both ways. Like that <laughs> yeah, could be both good and bad. I don't know. It does sound like they're like we know we're racists. So yeah. we decided not to be. <laughs> that That's a weird way to say that. I don't know if I would approach that. I imagine they mean just like they didn't want to like. You know, I, no bias I don't know. in general. They're just not thinking about the characters really. They're just thinking of we want some of the best profile, you know, voice actors. But yeah. Yeah, it's a weird way to say it. Uh, Chucklefish said that it attempted to combat this by working with an external casting management team. Also, that the developers made an effort not to look at actors' profiles, uh, back catalogs, headshots, etc. However, these hmm. efforts, um, 
ultimately resulted in an all-white cast for the DLC characters. Chucklefish acknowledged that posting photos of its voice cast next to the characters of color without acknowledgement of the (laughs) the symmetric... Systemic. Systemic, not symmetric. (laughs) The systemic problem of representation in the industry was insensitive and poorly communicated. We sincerely apologize for the harm we have caused. We will be more sensitive in our future casting decisions and will continue to support the work of all of those pushing for better representation for people of color in the industry. So, hmm. this is quite interesting. Um, I will say right, right away in this... I mean, it's going to sound like a hot take, but it's, I don't mean it to be, uh, the, how they apologize for the harm they caused. I don't necessarily think they caused any harm. It's just like, it's a, it's odd that this happens, Mm -hmm. but I mean, I think the, the way they approached it is really like, it's a good way to do it. It's just entirely based on merit. It's not based on. Like the the color of your skin or anything like that, but I'm also saying that coming from a position where I am a white male and I am not worrying about my people's representation within like media. So right. take that with a grain of salt. Um, but I think that the way that they approached it is is a good one. It just had really shitty consequences, I guess. Yeah, no, because I I do agree with you. Like, I I think if that was, and granted, we don't know how they actually did this, but if that was... Yeah, they said they tried to do it, but we don't know necessarily if they did it entirely. Like, they're like, oh, we tried not to look at profiles, back back catalogs, and headshots. They might have. They still (laughs) might have. Yeah, like, if they did do that, like, I I get it. That's an interesting way to push for, we're only looking for specifically talent that we think fits the character we have in mind it's not about the race it's about the voice in you know the the game to propel the story the way they feel it should be kind uh, you know spoken to um but i do i do see that there is some concern for that because you know in this day and age representation is you know and inclusion is very important and it there's a wealth of you know an abundance of talented actors out there of all you know race and and color and whatever you might have um like they could have done the same thing of not looking at the photos but also known that the race fit the character um but i mean i don't really know because that does seem weird at the same point because then you're limiting it from other people and that's not just saying you know white people but anyone for that matter is that the right way to go i don't really know i think it's kind of tough to make that decision but i i could see why people are upset yeah i think the one thing that should have been a really easy decision but they went with it anyway was the tweet where they're like yeah just a bunch of white people (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean it doesn't it doesn't look the best when they're all paired up together with you know the wrong like mismatch of representation there yeah it was kind of like i do agree that that is that was like insensitive and tone deaf the, yeah. the way that they did it i do think it's really cool that they tried to acknowledge their voice actors though they actually showed what their faces look like because i think typically voice actors unless they're really big and really prominent um or are actually like fully rendered within a game similar to like troy baker in death stranding you don't know what they look like 
Right. Like they, you hear their voice. Like I can hear Nolan Noyes' voice from a mile away. Like I've been watching Young Justice recently, and it's hard not to hear him when certain characters speak. But like, it, like I actually didn't know what Nolan North looked like until I, I, I believe it was like the Uncharted Four trailer that featured both Nolan North and Troy Baker, them talking about how they were gonna like sneak into a mansion mm-hmm. and Troy turns to Nolan and he's like, You know you're not actually Nathan, right? And he's like, Shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> Like I didn't know what any of them looked like until then. So I think it's really cool that they're actually trying to like show who these voice actors are. But yeah, it was it was weird. Probably yeah. not the best not the best choice there. Yeah, it's it's tough times. It's uh, I don't know. People people get very upset in certain instances, and this like I I understand the the reasoning behind it. Um, but from both angles, I think especially if they were doing it in the way they said, where they're just concerned about the voice, I get that. But representation is important too. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's move on to our next news story and last deep dive news story over on Twinfinite. This is written by Alex Gibson and it is 11-Bit Studios expand publishing efforts with two new projects. 11-Bit Studios has today announced two new projects, uh, yeah, projects joining its publishing lineup for 2020 and beyond. One project is being made by Fool's Theory, a Polish team comprised of former CD Projekt Red developers, which I guess is actually not project, it's like project. (laughs) Yeah. Is how you're supposed to say it. But at so. least, like, I watched, like, the no-clip documentary of, like, the making of The Witcher, and I'm fairly certain that uh, Danny specifically points out that it's actually CD Projekt Red. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. Something that like that. That was unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, it, well, yeah, it's different from a localization standpoint. I, ha- I have a, what is it? There's someone who I work with who is... Uh, from a different country that their name in English, like in, in the States would be read as like Kirsten, but like over there it's like Shirsten or Shirsten, like a really like different just because, you know, letters over there have a different pronunciation and it's always so confusing. And it's weird because like technically since you're saying it here, I guess it makes sense to change it, but not if it's a name, like, I, I don't know. Yeah, pronunciation and everything's really weird. I work with a guy who his name is Sanad, but the way it is actually spelled is entirely different. Yeah. Like, he, he's Bosnian, and the way his name is spelled, literally there's no way on earth that I would actually think that's how you spell his name. <laughs> like, it's really weird. I also have my boss that can't pronounce V's, so he always calls me Juan. And ah. then other people are like, no, with a V, V, like vagina. So every time wow. he goes to say my name, he goes, vagina, 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 Juan. And I'm like, fuck, <laughs> you still said Juan, dude, first, <laughs> every time. First off, that's really strange that they're saying that and a little, <laughs> a little mean, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm just being picked on and don't know it. Uh, <laughs> while... <laughs> While the other is from Spanish developer Digital Sun Games, who previously worked on action RPG Moonlighter. Props to Moonlighter. Yeah, yeah dude. Doing good things. Moonlighter. Uh, Powell Feldman, publisher, publishing director at 11-Bit Studios, is confident the two projects will continue the company's knack for handpicking true gems and is, uh, and is keen... What? Is keen continue its... <laughs> 
philosophy. Okay, they're going to continue their philosophy of boosting unique projects and using all the marketing magic we have to see them succeed, which I will say, I I I don't know about a lot of other like other publishing efforts, but I feel like Moonlighter was actually marketed fairly well. Like I I saw a lot of marketing for it just in general, mm-hmm. but like the game and its marketing were pretty spot on, which can't be said for every game nowadays. So, yeah. I mean, just kudos to them. They did uh, 11-bit is part of Frostpunk, Children of Morta, This War of Mine, Moonlighter, uh, Beat Cop. Um, what are some other bigger name ones? Uh, yeah, I guess you could say that they have like uh, they they do handpick true gems then because those are all fairly like notable indie games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting though, especially this, just because. I feel like announcements like this are generally when the publisher is saying like, hey, this is the game we're publishing. I think it's interesting that they're like, hey, here's two secret games that we're going to do with these random yeah, teams. Like, it, All we know right now is that one of them is an RPG. Yeah. And like, we don't even know which like studio is working on it currently. Right. And you would assume it would be like the Moonlighter one, but still it might not be. Like, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting because 11-bit has a backlog catalog of games that have shown promise and have shown that hey they're publishing the right things um but it's like i'm excited but i don't know what to be excited for yeah i feel like the the issue with this is actually just like both in reporting and the way that 11-bit announced this was they just buried the lead because i feel like the real lead here isn't that oh we're like publishing these two like we're working with these partners again it's that uh like funding efforts are in the millions of euros per project for like the first time mm-hmm. like the the big deal is how much is going into seemingly these projects within 2020 or at right. least how like their future is shaping up i think that's a big deal not necessarily like i'm fucking stoked to see what comes out of digital sun because i love moonlighter but i i think it's a bigger deal that 11 bit is like yeah, dude, we're fucking putting a bunch of money into this. Hmm. Like, it's pretty dope. At least that's my opinion. Yeah, no, is that, I mean, that's a that good was point. I didn't buried. even really think about that. Yeah, their uh, 11-bit is prepared to say at least that 2020 is shaping up to be bigger in scope than anything the company has tackled previously. Funding efforts are in the millions of euros per project for the first time. So that's pretty dope. Mm -hmm. Like, I I don't know exactly how they're going to use all that money because I don't know how publishing a game works, but... (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I'm excited to see what happens. We'll see. Hopefully some good stuff comes out of it. Yeah, hopefully. Do you think the Digital Sun will make a sequel to Moonlighter, or do you think they'll like kind of go off and make something else? Hmm. Uh, I hope they go off into something else. I enjoyed Moonlighter, but I don't really want more of the same. I think... I don't know. They, I, it's tough, because... They could, and that's probably the more obvious choice to continue that series, which already has promise. Especially in in indies, it's it's hard to you know because you're, if you're still indie, you're still going up against the same kind of like you know you can't have a series like a Mario or like a Zelda or something like that. So you have to prove yourself each time. Um, so the yeah, obvious so it one, might be easier to do it based on like a the kind of like a known quantity. Exactly. Um, but I don't know if they would. Uh, 
I think they could, but they've already done DLC for this, right? I feel like this, like, especially yeah, for they, many... I think their first paid DLC comes out soon, or it's already out, and they've done multiple updates. Yeah, so I, I feel like at this point, generally, the the developers would probably want to jump to something new or use what they've learned from this to, to propel them into something different, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's something that's on the same kind of plane of it, but I don't think they would just make a Moonlighter 2. Yeah, I should. I I really want a sequel to Moonlighter, but I think uh, kind of the best thing that they could do is actually work on something else. That way, they don't get shoehorned into making this game like the same game all the time. Right. Similar to how it seems like people think like Yacht Club is always going to make Shovel Knight esque games, but um, or like well, Enter the Gungeon being developed forever. Well, they kind of are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't know because we don't know what their like next game is going to oh, be. Oh, we know. But- I just want to tell the people. <laughs> so true. We've got the inside scoops. Uh, speaking of scoops, let's hop into news cram. Crook, 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 cram time. Wow, it's always so different and interesting. Uh, news cram <laughs> is our weekly wrap-up segment where we, the hosts of Indie Incursion and Indie Games Podcast, cram you full of all sorts of indie games news. This week, uh, we have one quick news story for you and... We've got some cool deals and some new stuff. Uh, our quick news story is... Uh, oh, you know uh, what we should do? is We should call that new deals and quick steals for any time there's free games. Shit, that's a good one. You should you should message me on that one. That's a good one. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> uh, so for our first and only quick news stories, let's hop over to Nintendo Life, where it's reported that due to a recent 50% off sale, Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom has sold more copies in the last five days than it had in the entire five-month period prior to the sale. That's Nuts. dope. I mean, yeah. you put anything for like a huge discounted price and you'll get people to buy uh, so I was listening to something. Oh, I was listening to Game Scoop. I think it was recently, and they said one of the the members on there said something about like developers have gotten to the point where they like have to game the system now and put their game for really really cheap because their service is so like Nintendo's catalog service, their eShop is so bad with curation that people just put their game for like five cents, and then everyone like will buy it so then the next week when they say okay we're no longer five cents they have a fully fledged game that's at the top of the charts and people are like oh i guess this is good i'll buy it that is kind of interesting it should be noted that monster boy and the cursed kingdom i feel like this is mostly because that's a 40 dollar title and it was 20 dollars at the time so what uh like you would say like quote unquote typical indie game would cost right um but Monster Boy is a big fucking game. So, but yeah, that is kind of crazy. I didn't know that Nintendo had such a terrible like curation system. I I do like that they have like the the section that's like, "Oh, these are the top games that are selling right now" mm-hmm. because it's really interesting to see what's there. Like how it was so cool to see Untitled Goose Game outsell a Legend of Zelda game. Right. But yeah, I could see how that would be a big issue and how people would game the system just to be recognized. Yeah. Especially because there's just so much fucking shit on these stores. I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it is there's so many games coming to Nintendo Switch and they basically just get buried. And this is not to to like poo-poo on Monster Boy's Parade. I think they deserve this because that game has, you know, been generally well-received. And I think that this isn't the case of just going to, like I said, some kind of 11-cent game so that they propel themselves up this is a 50 percent deal that was a, a sale because of black friday 
Uh, I think it was Black Friday. Um, I think it was actually because of their anniversary. Really? Like it was uh, the first or second anniversary of the game being out. Oh. It just happened to be like around Black Friday. Oh, okay. Well, regardless, it kind of coincides for possibly both reasons. But I, I think like that was just a weird anecdotal tangent I wanted to go on. Oh my God, dude. Thank you so much for saying that. I've been thinking of the word anecdotal for weeks and I could not remember what word it was. <laughs> Thank you. It's It's been bothering me so much. Okay, so... We've got one quick new deal for you. Uh, next week, you can actually get The Escapist completely free through the Epic Game Store. That's so a quick steal. Forward, yeah, it's a quick steal. Uh, if you guys are looking forward to The Survivalist and you have not played The Escapist, pop over to the Epic Game Store and get that guy for free. Uh, now, let's talk about some new stuff. Our first five items in new stuff come by way of Nintendo Life, where it's reported that retro action adventure game Blossom Tales The Sleeping King is getting a physical release on Nintendo Switch through limited run games. Pre-orders will go live on Friday, so by the time you're hearing this, they're probably live. Uh, December 20th, nope, just kidding, that's the 20th, not... I didn't write that to part down, so I fucked myself. Uh, pre-orders will go live on Friday, December 20th, yet no price point has been given, which is so weird. Yeah. So if you're listening to this next week, for some reason, then it'll be ready for you to get. Hey, just listen to the backlog of episodes. I feel like we're we're funny enough and weird enough that it actually makes sense to listen to old episodes. Yeah, at least the, the intro parts and the end for the weird questions. Ah, that's a good point. Yeah, we're making like semi, like one-fourth of evergreen content. Yeah, I mean, we'll just mold it all together in some kind of, you know, a hundred episode funniest hits collection. Yeah, it'll be like Indie Incursion, the movie. The movie. Oh, dude, you know what? I actually watched uh, the indie indie game, the movie. No way. Oh, hold it. Don't say anything about it. I know. We got to talk about it. Yeah, we could do an entire episode on it because that's just good. Yeah, I fucking loved it, but I'll I'll save it. All right. Uh, Developer, and I don't know how to say this, Vertex Pop, I believe. I don't know. Uh, Mostly known for their 2017 hit, Graceful Explosion Machine, has officially announced their newest title, Super Crush KO, is coming to the Nintendo Switch on January 16th. Developer Juicy Cupcake has announced Mm. the co-op action game Brief Battles is headed to the Nintendo Switch on February 21st. Developer Seed by Seed announced that their 3D co-op platformer Pipe Up no, Pile Up, not Pipe Up. Pile Up <laughs> is headed to the Nintendo Switch sometime in 2020. And lastly, that horror puzzle game, Tamashi, maybe, I don't know, it's T-A-M-A-S-H-I-I, uh, is right. headed to the Nintendo Switch on December 25th. Now we're moving over to Polygon, where it's reported that Untitled Goose Game is officially coming to both PlayStation 4 and Xbox One on December 17th, as well as being added to the massive library of games within Xbox Game Pass. Chris had to make sure that he he messaged me about this. I will say it's not his fault we're talking about it because I did already have this, but I'm Mm -hmm. still going to blame him. Uh, Speaking (laughs) of Xbox Game Pass, several new indie games are being added, including Wonder Song and Demon's Tilt, among others. See, the reason I put among others is because I was going to say my friend Pedro Mm-hmm. But because it was included in the graphic in the article, but they didn't actually say anything about it in the article. So I was like, is it? Is uh, it not? Yeah, I believe so. I was looking at the other day. 
yeah, I think it. I think it actually is though. Let me do a quick check though, and I'll verify. Okay, I'll keep going. Uh, now over on Twinfinite, where it's reported that Perception Puzzler Subliminal uh, by developer Pillow Castle will be headed to PS4 sometime next year. Action adventure game Ancestors: The Humankind Odyssey is now available on both PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Monster taming MMO Temtem is coming to Switch early access on January twenty first, twenty twenty. Have you found it yet? Because I do have something to say about Temtem. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, I, uh, backed it on Kickstarter back in the day. So I, really? yeah, I've technically played it when it was an alpha. Interesting. Oh, not, not Temtem. I meant the, my friend Pedro thing. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. Temtem. Uh, my friend Pedro. Yes, it is on Xbox game pass. Gotcha. Yeah. We've actually talked about Temtem before. I think we actually had Errol on the episode that we did. The The thing I wanted to say about Temtem is that every article has said, this is the closest we'll probably get to a Pokemon MMO. I would like to let you know, it is not. There are actually, and I mean, technically they're off brand, but in a way, so is Temtem because it's literally unaffiliated to Pokemon in any way. Right. I, and I'm fairly certain that these games were illegal, but there have been Pokemon MMOs on like browser based MMOs where you like move throughout environments by clicking and it would refresh the page. You'd slowly move your character that would you could choose between a variety of characters that exist within the Pokemon universe and you could catch like a massive amount of Pokemon. I think at the time it had only led up to the Pokemon games within Emerald or the Pokemon within Emerald. Uh, but yeah, there have been Pokemon MMO. Z- I guess hmm. there there have been multiple. Just saying, but not really. Yeah, but not really because they probably got sued for it. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to point that out because it's inaccurate. Uh, but right, Temtem looks cool uh, and has come to Steam early access on January twenty first, twenty twenty, and. Lastly, uh, Dead Cells is getting a new DLC sometime in 2024 for $4.99. Said DLC will be titled The Bad Seed and will introduce two new biomes, the Arbitorum, I don't know if that's how you're supposed to say it, and the Swamp, as well as one new boss. Uh, and to round out the group, over on GameSpot, it's reported that free-to-play action RPG Dauntless is finally coming to the Nintendo Switch. In fact, at the time of this recording, you can download your copy through the Nintendo eShop. So, Big Josh Boy. That's me. <laughs> We've been blessed with so many amazing indie games news stories that I think it's about time we get back to the creators. In our next segment, God Bless the Crowd, this is where the biggest average Josh Boy hops into all sorts of crowdfunding sites, picks out some cool indie games, and we talk about them. This mm-hmm. week, we've got a weird one over on Kickstarter. <laughs> it is crawled <laughs> Krakino beat em up in the world uh krakino is a comic beat em up game where it's story based on the uh it's story based on the fight against crime available for several consoles so it seems like you play a brick of crack yeah that's what it seems like <laughs> And you beat the shit out of random people. Uh, this yep. developer, which is uh, Black Onyx, uh, Onyx Interactive, is currently asking for $55,448. They currently have $6,727 with 55 backers and 51 days left to go. Are you excited about this game at all? Uh, it's an interesting one. 
I you don't want to play just a big brick of co- a freaking crack cocaine beating the shit out of people. I like the concept. I think it's uh, quirky enough to be interesting. I just think that the actual gameplay is a little rough. Uh, it's a beat 'em up, but it. One of the things that I think you really need in a beat 'em up is for it to be very, very smooth. Uh, and I don't think the actual fighting in this is. It looks a little clunky. Um, that yeah, I agree. Yeah. That being said, like this is in Kickstarter, so that could change. And this is obviously an earlier representation of the game. Um, I do like how he's basically traveling the world. So there's a bunch of different locations, a bunch of different type of enemies. The fact that he's a big brick of cocaine is weird and could be an interesting story. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure what to think. Yeah, supposedly this is meant to be like kind of this weird satire about like crack fighting against like basically criminals Mm -hmm. instead of like the police fighting against criminals selling crack it's it's really odd um i don't really enjoy the fact that like to get the digital copy you have to pay 23 dollars it seems like that's kind of like a high price to pay yeah at least currently and i'm gonna do something that i do pretty much in every episode i'm gonna talk shit about this trailer the only issue (laughs) i actually have which this is like a beautifully animated trailer i really really enjoy it the only issue i have is when it switches over to the gameplay it's super foggy for some reason like the gameplay does not look at all as crisp as the like animation which i'm not expecting it to it just literally looks foggy like it Uh, it, yeah i think it looks weird like the resolution drops i think they put a filter on it to be honest in certain areas it kind of looks like it yeah it looks weird especially because like on their Kickstarter, they actually have little segments where they show the in-game. They have, like, stills, and it looks much brighter and much more, like, crisp mm-hmm. versus in that trailer, it's, like, weird how foggy it is. Yeah, I don't... I'm not 100% sure why. I don't know. It, it looks like this could be, like... Especially because... Is there co-op? I think there was co-op, right? Let me see. Um, it looks like there's a second character health bar, but no, nah, maybe that's the boss, which is kind of weird that it's under you. Um, no, nah, I don't. I don't see it. All right, maybe not. I thought like if this had a co-op element to it, I think that this could be fun because it's you know a wacky, uh, just beat 'em up kind of game. But if it's only one person, I think that's a big drawback as well, just because I feel like beat 'em ups do not work for just one player yeah yeah um i i don't know it's kind of weird this game i will say the the biggest draw for me with this game is its character designs i think are really 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 cool i like the uh like the the cyber samurai the panda gunner i think are really cool they have like both like ghostly enemies and weird like anthropomorphic creatures i like that a lot i think it's really interesting and they also have like plague doctors and stuff Mm -hmm, i mm -hmm. i really enjoy all the variety um i will say this is something i just don't like in in beat-em-ups in general is being able to like walk on the like the y-axis how it's not just strictly 2d you actually have to move up in lanes in a way but it's not like it's not very 
I, I don't know. I've never been able to find a beat em up that's very precise in the lane you're in. Like, you can't punch somebody that's just slightly below you. Right. And that's always bothered me. Well, that's kind of how it works in real life. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but that's also first person <laughs> and not a 2D beat em up where you play crack. <laughs> I mean, these are all just minor, minor nitpicky details. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely is. I understand also why they do it that way so they can fit more characters on the screen. Because if it was just 2D, you'd be this weird, like, fucking just ball of flesh, like some inside shit. So, yeah. <laughs> I think this game looks really cool. I like the different environments. It looks really cool. You've got like freaking Egypt. You've got Italy. You've got Japan. You've got Brazil. And each one of these has their own, like seemingly their own enemy types. I think that's really cool. The craziest thing about this Kickstarter for me is that they have uh, their highest tier is $3,327 where you can put your business in the game. Somebody has backed that. Wow. Yeah. That's a crazy advertising opportunity to take. Especially because you don't know how popular this game's going to be. I mean, that's true. But also, I feel like even if only, you know, like some hundred odd number of people play it, you still get them constantly looking at whatever it is you're advertising. So I think I think for $3,000, like from a like from an individual's perspective, yes, that's a lot. From a company, it's kind of a drop in the bucket. Yeah, yeah, it's, I don't know why, I just think that's kind of odd. <laughs> yeah, I well, I kind of hate it because I'm like, I don't want advertisements in my game, but I get the understanding of needing some type of product placement to help back the game. Uh, it is interesting that they're doing that. Yeah, if I'm being honest, I feel the exact opposite. I don't give a shit about advertisements in video games as long as they're not egregious, mm-hmm. like, Similar to how in like movies, uh, there are like certain advertisements. Oh yeah, that there's always can go placement. by. Yeah, like... yeah, and you just like never see it. But if they open up on a shot of like a Coke mm-hmm. and then slowly pan out, it's like, come on, dude. Like slowly zoom out or pan to the right. It's like, dude, just fuck off. Like that mm-hmm. is obviously like product placement. Yeah, um, I mean that's why everyone holds cans with the name facing the camera. Like no one does that just by like all the time on purpose. Yeah, or when they don't pay for product uh, product placement so that they cover up the logos with, like, stickers and shit. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that stuff I always find funny because it's, like, obviously the Apple logo, but a slightly, like, it's kind of like a sticker that you can see the Apple logo through it, but technically it's covered. I Yeah, it's, it's really funny because, like, my wife watches uh, the Food Network all the time, and they do that all the time with random, like, ingredients that they use. It's o- and it's weird because it's always like the generic brand from like Publix, which is a supermarket down here in Florida. I don't know how far it goes up, but like, like not really specific to them. It's just their generic brand, and it'll still be blurred out. And I'm always like, I know who that is. Like, it's so it's so obvious. Like, you still know, but whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. This game, uh, I will say about this kickstarter i think it's really cool that they're offering a bunch of like really awesome physical goods they have comic books they have t-shirts they have a figure which i don't know if you want to have a figure of like a brick of cocaine but that's awesome maybe not but (laughs) yeah i mean that's what i thought was like yes the the digital copy is kind of high but for the t-shirt is it just the t-shirt or is it the t-shirt and Um, the game the the t-shirt you can choose between two different colors oh plus, plus previous. previous yeah so you, yeah 45 for the game and the t-shirt 
that's not too bad. 56 for a comic book yeah. and uh, 89 for the figure. Yeah, so 89 would get you a comic book, a t-shirt, the game, and the figure. Like, that's not that bad, to be honest. Like, if we're talking about yeah. how high physical goods can be on Kickstarter generally. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I Like I said, my only real quirk with this is that I feel like the fighting isn't as smooth, which which sucks because you look at the animation for a lot of the characters, and it it's awesome the way the fluidity between them works, but when you mash them together with you as the the main uh, protagonist fighting these enemies, it kind of looks clunky. Yeah, it just doesn't look as smooth as you'd want like a beat-em-up to be, considering like the gameplay is what you're there for. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think this game is really cool. Oh, one last thing I wanted to say about it that I thought was really weird is that they have 10% of their funding going to legal fees. Hmm. What? Why? I mean, I guess for licensing or something or some kind of... I, I don't know how that shit works. Yeah, it's so weird. And that's not actually included. So they like do their... Uh, I believe they do kind of like their breakdown. Um, yeah, we're looking to help translation, shipping, Kickstarter. They like have all these things where they, they talk mm-hmm. about the different like sections, but they don't talk about the 10% legal fees thing. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they were arrested once for crack, and that's where this story originated. You know, maybe ten percent yeah. goes to their legal fees. Obviously, that's not I a guess. true story. Don't <laughs> don't look into that. <laughs> yeah, who's making like unsubstantiated claims now? Uh, yeah, I guess I guess that's me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I I still think it's cool. We'll see. Because one of the things, like my my quip about it being like, oh, it's not as smooth. That could easily be fixed between now and when it actually is released yeah yeah we don't know how early this is in development so that is that is a good thing to end this on uh so let's hop into some random questions hell yeah our first random question is by jonathan moore okay (laughs) oh well i mean you're about to get shocked oh shit i meant to talk about this in god bless the crowd last week you said that i would eventually find something on kickstarter that i would back uh-huh. I have. Oh, yeah. Here we go. What, what did you? Yeah, find? this week I actually backed something. It's not a video game though. Oh well, fuck. Who cares? It's a comic book. Oh yeah. Okay. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I backed like a series of comic books from a like a small like independent developer or not the developer. He's a small like independent author and I guess developer of comics. He develop, yeah, he in develops. a way. Anyone's a developer. They develop things. Yeah, he's. I I think his name is. Curtis Lowe, maybe he has uh, several different comic series. He has uh, the Wild Cosmos. Um, I really want to say slightly exaggerated, but I feel like it might be strictly <laughs> exaggerated, something like that. And he has uh, like it's a he has like a bunch of different comics that you can actually get on Kickstarter because mm. um, he does all his campaigns exclusively through Kickstarter, which is really cool. That's cool, yeah. Yeah, he's actually shown up on a bunch of different podcasts I listen to. Like, he was on, uh, like, I think he was on Greg's Comic Book Club for Kind of Funny. Mm. And he also went on uh, Colin's Last Stand Fireside Chats to talk about independently publishing comics. So, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, I finally did some Kickstarter stuff. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on Kickstarter that's not games, even though that's all we ever talk about. Like, I really like the board game section of Kickstarter. There's some really good ones from both, like, a level of you know, very minimal complexity when you just want kind of a fun whatever party game 
with a bunch of friends and then you get to like gloomhaven or a new one that i'm playing with one of my buddies that came out recently from kickstarter which is tainted grail and like man those things are so intense complexity wise but like so fun it's basically i mean it, it everything stems from D, but it's like I love those type of board games because it's the complexity of D&D, but it also gives you more structure and like not just more of the imagination side of things. It's like, here's the way you com- like actually combat people. Here's what you're doing. Here's your mission, like kind of a thing in front of you on cards and the board and games. And It's a good game. Anyone who cares about board games, check out Tainted Grail. <laughs> so Jonathan Moore wrote in, from Parallax Media, the founder of Parallax Media, and he said, do you think Apple Arcade is a good fit for indie devs? Is there enough traction on the platform for devs to justify releasing their games solely on Apple Arcade? So Mm. I'm going to say right now, I still don't understand how people are making money on like Apple Arcade or Xbox Game Pass. I don't get how developers are making money. It's possible that maybe like Apple and Microsoft are paying them a large sum similar to how they do for, yeah, upfront, similar to how they do for like games with gold and like PlayStation plus their free games. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know. I mean, I assume they would have to, because I think it's the same concept of like, like think of renting a game. Like they're essentially renting a game. They're renting a game that they can then distribute out to other individuals who are part of their ecosystem um and i assume that's the only way that could work but the actual financial side of things i really don't know i remember seeing this question earlier when it was asked on twitter and i wanted to look this up but i ended up uh losing track of time and getting busy this week um which kind of sucks i i'll probably do a little bit of research later to check that out just because this is something that i'm super interested in um and I, I don't know the answer and I've wanted to know the answer for a long time, especially when Game Pass first came out. Um, but to answer the question just kind of like from a generic standpoint, I think if their main point of view is that they're going to house it and catalog, like catalog it in their own system and give you some upfront money, I think it's honestly the perfect kind of place for uh, indie devs because... If it has the same structure as like a um, Epic Games, people who like Ooblets are putting their game out into that ecosystem because upfront they'll get a certain amount of money that they potentially might flop and not get any money. Um, and then, you know, afterwards they can release it to other areas after a certain timed window. And then that gets you away from you know being only there and only making that certain sum money up uh, depending on how it works i think it takes a lot of the risk out of having to publish it in multiple areas because one you can change up the time frame for the game because you get to work on just one solely you know exclusive platform so you don't have to worry about it interacting on different areas Uh, and two because if you have that security net of getting whatever that potential lump sum is at the start then you have kind of a low risk low reward but you could still have high rewards later if you just port it to a different area and you work on that and i guess that just it really depends on the contract that apple arcade has with people who come onto there because if it is something like hey we'll give you a large lump sum at the start 
or if we give you, uh, you know, a, a minimum amount that you'll get no matter what, but then based on you getting a certain amount of downloads or a certain amount of time that people play in that game, then you'll get, uh, you know, an incentive bonus amount like that kind of thing. Based on how the numbers work, it makes it really advantageous for someone who might not get any sales because people might not know about it then yeah, I think it's a good fit, especially for Apple Arcade now because it's small and up and coming that it's probably a lot easier to curate through and find those games as opposed to somewhere like Steam, which has millions of games. Um, that being said, I'm all kind of talking out of my ass because I unfortunately can't get Apple Arcade because I only have Android devices. Same. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about this before. I think you brought up the majority of the points that I feel like the exact same way about. I think it is a good fit for indie devs, mostly because like it seems like they're probably getting some sort of upfront cash that makes kind of like takes a lot of the risk out of being an independent developer and not having that steady cash flow. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's great. I think it also helps them with uh just kind of getting noticed on the platform. There's a lot of games on mobile and this like Apple Arcade helps them get to more people because people are constantly like wanting updates for Apple Arcade because they enjoy this really like interesting value like this this good value of a service. Right. I've heard multiple people say that they like they found games on Apple Arcade and like they wouldn't have probably bought it otherwise but they have it on the service so why not? And that got the word out there about their game and I think that's great. Um the one thing I think is I don't think is a good idea is like solely releasing their games on Apple Arcade. I do not think is a good idea. If you're solely releasing it, you're like mobile ports on Apple Arcade. Yeah, that's a great idea. Like, sure, you you miss out on like Android and like Windows phones. But if you're like, if it's possible that you either make no money or you make some money, I would probably take some money just because the like, it seems like the mobile market, they aren't exactly super open to paying for games like they're they're more open to paying like microtransactions than they are for paying for the actual game itself um but i wouldn't only ever i would probably never release a game exclusively on apple arcade just because there's there's so much there's so many other platforms to release it on that you can then like kind of expand your audience and possibly make more money and just kind of get the word out there about your game like you um obviously i don't think that they're doing like entire exclusivity contracts because like neocab exclusively launched like initially launched on apple arcade but it's now also going to be launching on steam soon right um so i don't think that they're doing it 100 percent exclusivity um I, I'm almost like a million percent sure they aren't, but yeah, I think <sighs> it's I think this is a really good service for developers. I just don't think it should be the only thing that they're doing. I think that they should be working on like if anything, they need to be working on Nintendo Switch ports because fuck games sell on Nintendo Switch. <laughs> yeah. So like I mean, PC is obviously what you develop for just naturally because that's kind of like from what I understand, it's the easiest all around to develop depending on the game you're making obviously but then like nintendo switch needs to be your like second priority because games sell like hotcakes on nintendo switch so it's true um and our next and last question is written in by chris penwell thanks for writing in guys and he says what are your thoughts on shovel knight now is the game 
oversaturated. I'm assuming the reason he wrote in with this because of the release of King of Cards and Shovel Knight Showdown, mm-hmm. finally. Um, and, of course, there's like Shovel Knight Dig in the works right now, not technically by Yacht Club, but they're publishing it while uh, another developer works on it. Mm-hmm. Um what do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, I I think he's specifically talking about the fact that there's so many packs inside Treasure Trove as opposed to Shovel Knight Dig, um, but I don't I don't think that it's oversaturated just because I see them all as very individual games. Um, each one has obviously the same structure. But the mechanics in each of the characters is so far different that I feel like they're totally separate games. And we've had this conversation where, like, I love Shovel Knight, but I could not really stand playing uh, the Scepter Knight. I just didn't enjoy his mechanic uh, of sliding. It just didn't really click with me. So that it's why I don't really see it as oversaturation in that same, because they feel so different. Like, I, I get that it's the same world, um, but... I think they've done a good job with adding an, like just enough to make it its own thing. Um, that being said, I think this is definitely where they should stop. They've obviously said they, they will. I think the, the showdown thing is a little bit much. I, I haven't tried it, so I'm kind of biased in this, but I really don't care that they did that because I, I don't know. I just... Yeah, it's like a Shovel Knight brawler, yeah, which is a little weird. It's, like, it, it's just a fighting game. Yeah, it's totally out of what, like, the game is or what. And this is the thing where it's like they changed it enough, like, a little bit enough to make it a, its own game in its own regards with each of the characters. But, like, this is just totally over the top, and I don't think in a good way. Um, that being said, I haven't played it yet, so keep that in mind. Um, but I personally have no interest in the brawler portion of this i do want to jump into the the king of cards one though just to see what that's like to see if i like his character better um than like the scepter knight but i think oversaturation uh to be honest especially in these indie games it's it's a good point uh i don't think oversaturation is the right word i think it's just they've turned this game into uh, strangely uh something like a games of service like you know an ongoing thing that I don't think they should have. I think these should have just been separate games. Um, I believe that was mostly because of the promises they made in Kickstarter. Yes, yes, it is. It is. And it's it's a big issue with the fact that Kickstarter kind of will make and break your game in certain ways just because you'll be kind of tied to that forever if it's really good and you unfortunately... <laughs> Well, unfortunately is a weird way to say it, but if you unfortunately make a lot of money and promise a lot of things, you might be stuck with Shovel Knight for, I mean, how many years has it been? What did we talk about this being a 2014 game? Um, let's look. So. Which, which, yeah, 2014. Yeah. It was like June 2014. Right. So this is like, you know, this is a platformer that they've been acting as if it's a games of service kind of a thing, like a Fortnite by constantly putting in updates and changes for years now which is a little weird when it technically should have just been separate games or separate experiences but i mean granted a lot of people love uh treasure trove i don't think it's oversaturated at least at this point i think it was a good idea that they did it this way i think it was clever because i think 
it basically takes you know the concept of the way that i always saw it was you know this is like a mega man but now you get to play as the mega man bosses which i think would be a, a really cool thing like you know we talk about uh, indie devs getting the rights to do more big kind of things with uh more popular games i think it would be cool if they did something like that with some of the bosses like the popular bosses from mega man and turned it into like fighting the mega man uh heroes so like you know the the actual uh i don't know why i can't think of any of their names uh not dr wiley dr light uh and roll i think her name is roll yeah and yeah, like you know, know zero and all the other characters from mega man uh, i apparently i'm shit with mega man lore even though i love the games but uh Regardless, I think the concept of it is really cool. This was a weird tangent to say, no, I don't think it's oversaturated, but I think it's getting close to being a bit much. I think uh, my thoughts on Shovel Knight now, I think it's awesome that they continued to put out, like they continued to do what they said they were going to do on Kickstarter. I think uh, it's awesome that they're now seemingly taking a break. They're getting into publishing, which is really interesting. Um but because they're like publishing Cyber Shadow and they're publishing the Shovel Knight Dig game. So I think it's really cool. Um, I think that it is not at all oversaturated. I think that these just continue to add to the value of the game itself because you don't pay for them individually. Mm -hmm. If you purchase Treasure Trove or you purchase Shovel Knight initially, you get these as just updates. All you have to do is, I believe, beat the game and then you can play all of these additional things. Not including Showdown. I don't know if that's one that you have to beat the game for, but I believe the Mm -hmm. characters you actually have to. Um, So... Yeah, I don't know. But I think it just continues to add to the value of this game without increasing the like initial cost, um, which I think is just amazing. I think that's awesome. How you were talking about it is games of service. If it like the only thing that would suck if it was truly a games as a service is that they would more than likely have you pay for each one of these incremental new stories, but instead they're just included in your initial purchase. Right. Like whether you bought it years ago or you buy it now, mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. get these, which is just amazing. So I don't think it's oversaturated. Um, if you meant oversaturated, like do we think it's re- releasing at a time where like retro is really, really oversaturated? Like, there's just so many games releasing in that kind of, like, retro style. I I see it, and I do think it is, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Because I feel like the, uh, like the pixel art and retro styles, they don't necessarily, like... That's the one art style that I feel like doesn't age. Like, it, it ages extremely well. Mm-hmm. Um, it mm-hmm. doesn't look bad. It's it's not like fucking playing Tomb Raider and she's got triangle boobs. Like it just looks fantastic no matter what decade you're in or what century you're in even. I don't know. Maybe in 100 years it'll look like dick, but maybe um, I don't know. Nothing wrong with triangle <laughs> boobs though. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes yeah, you need a good triangle old triangle boob. And on that note, we are going to end this podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys like this episode, make sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes. I think we're up to five now. All right. We're fucking rock stars now. Yeah. Um, You guys can talk to us outside the show. You can follow me at Hyde Legion. You can follow Josh at the underscore George 90. You can follow the podcast itself, which you can uh, follow. And I have a question tweet that i put out every monday you could do that at indie pod on twitter uh thank you guys so much for listening make sure you check out some of the other uh shows within the hp video game podcast network you got like active quest you've got 
a game dev advice. You got HP Video Game Podcast Network. You've got Backstage Gaming. Just all sorts of awesome podcasts. Make sure you mm-hmm. check some of them out. Leave them reviews as well, especially the guys over at Active Quest. They're trying to get to E3. If the policy is still the same, it'd be awesome if we could in any small way help them out. Plus, they're beautiful, you know? So <laughs> that helps them. Uh, I guess so. That, <laughs> is that, is that what it takes to get into E3? You just have to be sexy? Damn, yeah, I think why so. Why are we there, man? I mean, sexy. dude, because I look like a goober. So. Oh, wow. All right. I guess no E3 for us then. Yeah, I'm really dragging down our libido. Damn. Like, All right. I'm dragging down the sexiness of this podcast. That's okay. I'll go down on the ship with you. <laughs> uh, that's it for us today. Thanks, you guys, so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye, guys. <laughs>